There's a tradition of very Victorian female directors with the top hats and the canes and the stiff morning suits that has continued from Victorian times. It's more about cars and upgrading coffins than it is about actually serving people emotionally. Welcome back to the Women on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Sam Saperstein. This week, I sit down with a pair of leaders from the London-based Founders Forward program, which matches female entrepreneurs with J.P. Morgan mentors. Olivia McGuire is a portfolio manager at J.P. Morgan, and Louise Winter is an author and the founder of Poetic Endings, a modern funeral service. Louise brings a new approach to the funeral industry, and I know you'll love this conversation about their relationship. Olivia and Louise, thank you so much for joining us on the Women on the Move podcast. It is great to talk to you today. It's really lovely to be here as well, Sam. Thank you for inviting Louise and I along. Yeah, thank you so much for having us here. So you both do amazing work in two very different industries. So I'd love to start out by having you both talk about your background so our listeners get a sense for who you are and what you do. So Olivia, let's start with you. You have more than 20 years of experience working with J.P. Morgan. So tell us about how you started in this industry and what you do today. Well, yes, it it is over two decades now. And I actually started on the graduate recruitment program at J.P. Morgan. So I've worked my entire career at the firm. I started straight after my master's. I was studying in Dublin, where I'm from. And I moved to London to take up the job. And my first role was in technology on the technology graduate recruitment program. And I worked in technology for five years and really enjoyed it across lots of different business areas. And I was due to move to New York and I got a role in asset management as a portfolio manager. So on the, as we call it, the front office side of the business. And it was a really exciting opportunity. It actually came about because the original job description said no experience necessary and that i think in its time nearly 17 years ago was quite unusual and i often recount now that i probably wouldn't have applied for the role i would have counted myself out had it not said that and had it asked for five years of experience of portfolio management or of trading or certain professional qualifications i applied for the role i wasn't the first choice But another role came up in the same team a number of months later, and I went for that role and I got it. And I'm still in the same team today, working as a money market fund portfolio manager. And it's very exciting. I love that story. I think it's a great reminder to folks who are listening to apply for things and apply for things, even if it says experience required, because you never know how your skills in the end will match up to that role. And the fact is, as you said, you might not get that role, but you might be considered for the very next one a few months later. So it is worth putting your hat in the ring. I love that story. Now, you've been in portfolio management and technology, as you mentioned, to start, which are both industries that women are not as highly represented as we would like them to be. Have you seen changes over your career in terms of more women going into both those fields? I have, although very interestingly, When I first started in technology in 1998, the head of the business was a woman. And that year there was multiple women who within technology and also the operations teams that we supported got promoted to MD or managing director. 
in a way, I was very lucky to have those very early role models and to see women in powerful and successful positions. I guess also at the beginning of your career, you may be more focused on the work and, and you're not as, as cognizant of the teams around you. But I do think there wasn't very many women in, in technology when I started. Looking back now, it, it was predominantly male. But over time, that did change. And even when I moved to portfolio management, I was very new in the job. I was learning lots of new skills. So I was quite busy and focused on my own thing. But at looking back now... Yes, there was certainly less women in the roles than there are today. And today versus when I, I started at the firm, the amount of diversity across multi-different facets, be that gender, ethnicity, neurodiversity, the firm is, is a very much more rich and varied environment to work today and has progressed so much over the two decades that I've been at the firm and, and especially over the last number of years. So Louise, let's talk about you. You founded and manage a business called Poetic Endings. And I would love for you to tell us what is the mission of the business and why did you start the company? So I'm a funeral director and I know this is a podcast so you can't see me, but I don't look anything like uh, what most people imagine a funeral director is. So I didn't inherit a business is the first thing to say, and no one in my family is a funeral director. I came to this by choice. So I set up Poetic Endings, which is a modern funeral service based in London, and we help people to have the funeral that they want to have in order to say goodbye to someone who has died. That means many different things depending on who we're working with and what they need from the situation, the circumstances, and so on. I haven't always been a funeral director. I actually hadn't even been to a funeral until I was 26 years old. My granddad died from cancer and we had a very typically British cremation service for him in a really grim crematorium in the north of England, followed by going to the pub and drinking lots of whiskey and having lots of sausage rolls and all the things that are associated with a very British um, funeral. And I just didn't feel like it was truly serving the needs of the people there. And that surely there was a different way of doing funerals, which would enable us to grieve and not feel so formulaic and templated. And maybe the crematorium could have less dusty carpet and they could be decorated a little better as well. So I ended up leaving my previous career. I was a creative strategist before. I worked with a young entrepreneur at a startup, which is now probably going to be um, a public company very soon. It's grown so much. And I worked with lots of different brands coming up with ideas for their campaigns. So to go from that to funerals has been quite a jump, but in many ways, it's exactly the same work. It's taking a brief from people and giving them the space to do what they need to do. So was your personal experience with the loss of your grandfather that led you to start this business? Was that the trigger for you? Absolutely. That was the epiphany moment when I, I found what I had been looking for all of those years of my previous career. I found the thing that I knew I was going to concentrate on for the rest of my life. You know, you're describing a business and an event in people's lives that, you know, we don't plan for really. It happens. It happens usually in very sad circumstances, sometimes very quickly. It feels like we're not so prepared for these things and therefore you don't think about them and what you want from a funeral until it happens. And the thought that you are making sure people have what 
they need when they need it is really interesting to me. I really hadn't thought about that, that it could be different. It could be a better experience, albeit a very sad one. You've described yourself as a progressive funeral director. What does that mean to you? And why is progressiveness needed in this industry? So I describe myself as progressive to differentiate the approach to the work that I take from the more conventional funeral directors. So particularly in the UK, there's a tradition of very Victorian funeral directors with the top hats and the canes and the stiff morning suits that has continued from Victorian times. It's more about cars and upgrading coffins than it is about actually serving people emotionally. I think the main difference between progressive funeral directors and more conventional funeral directors is taking a more emotional approach, not being so closed off and telling people what it is they can have, but asking people what they need, giving them space to explore what might work for them and providing them choices. We really try to engage people with the process of arranging a funeral rather than just telling them, here are three packages, which one do you want? How many limousines do you want to follow the hearse? It's more about what do you need from this? What is the right way to say goodbye to your wife, for example? What are the circumstances? How does your grief feel right now? What does your family need from this funeral? starting from scratch, putting together something which hopefully serves their needs. That really is an unbelievable way to think about it, the experience of what people need at such a traumatic time. And so what are the differences between what you offer to people versus maybe the traditional in terms of the space you're actually creating and then that event itself or the overall experience? Like, What are some of the differences somebody would see and feel? I think we create space in different ways. The first thing is that most of my team, all the funeral directors on my team are women who are from very creative backgrounds and could be doing something else, but are choosing to do this work because they believe it's really important and really intrinsic to who we are as humans. And I think as women, we bring a totally different approach. It's more about being very in touch emotionally, being very sensitive, being very gentle with people. How we take care of people after they've died is very different as well. We don't just embalm people as standard. We have conversations about what's important, about how the family would like the person to be prepared. Do they want their hair to be washed, their nails painted? And it's women that do that work as well women who go into the mortuary and take care of people and do that with a a level of sensitivity and humanity, which I think can be lacking from some of the more corporate approaches to funeral directing. So you recently wrote a book called We All Know How This Ends, Lessons About Life and Living from Working with Death and Dying. What motivated you to write the book? And can you tell us some of your top lessons from it? So I wrote the book with my colleague, Anna Lyons. She is an end-of-life doula. So that's someone who helps support people who are dying at the end of their lives, help them make the most of the time they have left. And she also supports their family and friends afterwards, and sometimes beforehand as well, depending on the situation. And we came together over her kitchen table about six years ago because we realized that these conversations often happen and they're really segregated. End of life is very different to the funeral. The the teams don't often come together. And we wanted to take a more holistic approach. We also realized that people do want to have these conversations. They want to know what happens at the end of life. They might be supporting someone who is dying and they want to be able to engage with it and understand what's going to happen. 
And all the books that we could find felt either really medical or really very spiritual or religious. And we couldn't find anything which served the needs of modern people who didn't want something that was alienating or fusty or difficult to read. So we came together and we launched an initiative called Life, Death, Whatever. And it was a way of helping people to engage with matters around death and dying, but doing it whilst living. I think end of life is so much easier to engage with if you're not facing it at the time. If you can empower yourself with information so that when the time comes, you know what to expect and you're not starting from scratch. So we've been working together for all these years, finding ways of helping people to know more about death and dying and hopefully doing it in really beautiful ways. The book is quite beautiful. It's quite unusual looking. Um, and the idea was that it would be sold in you know, lovely lifestyle shops. It would be next to the yoga books and people would just pick it up and engage with it because they thought, gosh, what is this beautiful book? And then found out that it was actually about a really hard hitting subject, but hopefully written about in an engaging and powerful way. That sounds really beautiful. And I hope people take advantage of that because I think you have a lot of just very powerful things to say to people and a way to help them prepare well before they need it. So the two of you connected professionally through something called Founders Forward, which is a mentorship program that was launched in London by JP Morgan in 2017. So Olivia, let's start with you. Can you tell us about that program and why you were inspired to volunteer your time and work with it? Sure. So the program matches up JP Morgan employees with female entrepreneurs and it's a mentoring scheme which lasts at least three months and you meet over the course of that three months the employee acts as a sounding board and mentor to the entrepreneur and to be honest when it, the scheme first kicked off in 2017 I saw it because I, I've been quite involved over my career and I saw it and I thought I've worked my whole career in a corporate firm I have never run my own business. I, I wouldn't know where to start. What could I possibly tell a very brave and successful entrepreneur who started up their own company and gotten out there? And some of the companies that were described, I was like, wow, that's so impressive. They don't really need me as their mentor. So it took me a little time before I was brave enough to say, I'm going to do this. And I've done it twice now. Louise and I, that was my second pairing. I realized that even though I've worked in a large corporate firm with quite a controlled environment, I suppose, in a way that actually in some ways that can be missing from entrepreneurs' skill sets in terms of knowing about performance reviews or something like that at the end of the year or setting objectives for staff. So the corporate philanthropy team try and match people together. And I was matched with Louise. And I was very excited because as, as you've heard Louise describe, it's such a beautiful concept to try and make people aware of and more comfortable around the topic of death and make a funeral much more a celebration of life than a very sad occasion. And that resonates very closely with me because in Ireland, we have large celebrations and wakes for a funeral when someone dies. And when I met Louise, it was about 12 months after my father had passed away. And although it was a fairly traditional funeral and cremation at the crematorium, it was a little bit unusual because the power had gone out in the whole area. And we luckily had some music that we, we could plug in. It was going around in a loop and there was only one or two tunes. 
And eventually I was like, okay, I'm just going to start singing this tune because it was one of my dad's favorite tunes. <laughs> I started singing it and then the whole crematorium started singing it. And the man who was doing the service said to me the next day, uh, he said, I've, I've never seen that before. Everyone was singing and looking happy, including my mom, the widow. And he said it was so lovely. And for me, celebrating someone's life resonated very, very much with the business that Louise runs and her approach to making it a very unique experience rather than, let's say, an, an off-the-shelf package and, and processing the, the event as soon as possible. And it was really exciting to meet Louise. And when we when we first got together, we were, we were given a lot of tools through the program to help us through the mentoring initiative and the mentoring process. So we used those tools, which were incredibly helpful. We talked about the priorities for Louise's business, which at the time were to get a venue for her funeral home. She's now in and has set up and it looks beautiful. <laughs> We talked also as well about managing staff who everybody who works with Louise have, have been her friends, but, you know, dealing with that also in a way as a business owner. And after three or four sessions, I actually got around to more about personal balance. And I think this conversation probably came out of me being quite open just about some of the experiences that I've had from a personal perspective over the last decade. And, and we got talking about those and we hit on something that really resonated between us both around you know, ensuring as an entrepreneur where it's Louise's business and, and it's her lifelong passion that she's going to do for life, as, as she said earlier, that she also ensures that there's time for Louise alongside poetic endings. So Louise, would love to hear from your perspective why you were drawn to the mentoring program and what your experience was going through this, what you learned. So I had taken part in something called Hatch. I went through a program that lasted six months with other female entrepreneurs as well and had a really incredible experience of hearing from different people and learning about finance and investment and so on. And it really transformed the business. And as part of that, I was invited to the JP Morgan program. And at first I was really intimidated because I wondered how anyone who works at JP Morgan and has a big career in finance, why they would want to hear about me saying how I don't understand what my accountant's talking about. All of the finance stuff generally blows my mind and is one of the areas that I had to do lots of work on to be able to keep the business going. And then I met Olivia and it was such a brilliant experience. Although we've had very different paths through life, I have had a very diverse career and barely stayed in a job for more than a year, I think, before I've moved on to something else until I found funerals and devoted my life to it. There is actually a lot that we can learn from each other. And it was so special to be able to, to come together and have those sessions. It was over Zoom because it was during COVID. And to have those sessions with Olivia, where I was able to just talk about what was going on and to feel really safe and secure in saying, I don't understand what the accountants are talking about or often HR issues, actually. With my job, I tend to find that it's not the actual funeral work that I find that tricky, but, but I'm very good at. But running a business comes with all sorts of challenges. And because everything is happening from scratch, 
you know, we don't have a bereavement policy in place. Contracts, performance analysis, all of those kind of things all have to be put in place as the business develops. And it was so great to be able to go to Olivia and say, and often it was around people things to do with someone is underperforming or I'm not sure that this person is really embracing their role. What do I do? And to hear Olivia's experience from a much more structured environment where there are whole departments devoted to accountancy and finance and um, HR and diversity, etc. And to be able to put some things in place so that I was able to better manage the business and help it grow. I can't even imagine what life has been like for you during the past 18 months of this pandemic. Not only are you running a business, and we've talked to many small business owners who really had to struggle and pivot to get through it, but you are running a funeral business, which unfortunately was in so much need during this time. What was life like for you over the past year and a half? And how are you coming to terms with you know this new normal, the unfortunate need that we have for more funeral services right now? It's been a really difficult 18 months. It's been a very busy 18 months as well, right from the moment the death rate in London began to increase. And then that happened again during the second wave. Almost everyone um, who we were looking after had died with COVID. And we were facing all of the restrictions that were in place legally as well. So funerals were very small. What did come out of it was how resilient funeral directors had to be in order to keep functioning. Even though there's a lot of competition and there's a lot of backstabbing and it can be a really ruthless commercial environment to be in. All of those rivalries were dropped and people just came together to support each other. I helped set up quite a few initiatives around um, sharing of resources because people were off sick and having to isolate or didn't have the right PPE. I set up all sorts of different ways of bringing the funeral director community together so we could support each other to do what we needed to do. And actually, what really helped was having Olivia. I think we were speaking during the second wave when the restrictions weren't quite so tight for the second wave in the UK around funerals. So we were trying to create these incredibly elaborate creative funerals whilst keeping everyone safe, while still staying apart, and whilst having a huge amount of people that we were having to look after because the death rate was so high. It really helped to be able to just put all of that aside for a moment and speak to Olivia for an hour about something else that was not dealing with the brutality of what happened. Well, I just want to say thank you for doing such important work during this time. I'm sure you served so many families with such a nice touch in their time of need. So you both made reference to having to find balance in all of this, having to find balance with a business, with your personal life, and especially during COVID. So Olivia, let me start with you. You know, how did your philosophy on work life, how did it come together here when you were counseling and trying to mentor? You know, how does it work for yourself and how do you really try to convey that? I think that over time, your priorities change and your needs change. So I can say that in the last 18 months, my needs maybe were different from the previous 18 months and from the very beginning of my career. And I think that that's important always to remember, to talk about achieving a balance between all of the different priorities in your life. At times, some will become more important and and it's an ever ongoing work to achieve that. And because it's dynamically changing as you grow older or as um, different events happen in your life, so my balance now is so much more different than it would have been when I when I first started 
But I think recognizing, you know, it's not a static balance and that sometimes you will need to take more time for yourself or take care of your mental health. And that sometimes, as Louise described for her in terms of working a lot during the pandemic, that, you know, work will will sometimes be the priority as well. So I think that ensuring you know that it's never a one size fits all for everybody or for you and trying to continually work on that and just recognizing, just having time for yourself to recognize what it is you need at that point in time. If you're okay with how personal things are going and everything's very smooth in that, maybe it's the time to, to give more time to your work. But if if you do need time for yourself, you know, make sure you take the vacation time that you're allocated. Hobbies are very important. Over the years, I've taken up many hobbies. Music and singing was very important for me during the pandemic and prior to the pandemic as well. We have a choir at JP Morgan in London. We've got two choirs and we also had an orchestra, <laughs> which of course couldn't practice during COVID, but the choirs continued to sing on Zoom. And I've been a member of the choir since their inception and was a key part in running it as well for our building. So finding different outlets and maybe outlets that you wouldn't necessarily have chosen or thought about is very important in keeping that balance. I love that, Olivia. Thank you for showing us what your secret talents are. Maybe not so secret. That was one of the silver linings, I think, of the pandemic that we got to see so many other aspects of our colleagues and the things that they enjoyed doing. And Louise, I'm curious, you mentioned not being able to step away from your job for a very long time, which is totally understandable. Do you think you'll get a break coming up? And if you can't step away entirely, you know, how do you maintain your focus on well-being during your day-to-day? So pre-pandemic, I used to prioritize having fun. I think that was the best antidote to the quite brutal and sometimes traumatizing work that I have to do, which is, it's heavy. And I would try and balance that out with things that I enjoyed. Pre-COVID, I went indoor climbing a lot. I lived close to a theatre called the Royal Court in London. I enjoyed going out with friends. And then COVID happened and all of the things that I liked to do were suddenly not allowed. And I lived alone and had to find a different way through. And actually during the lockdowns, it was a lot easier because everyone was doing everything on Zoom. Everyone was at home and everyone was you know, looking to do things virtually. But since the UK opened up, again and yet the numbers are still very high it's challenging to bring fun back into my life in a way which feels safe considering I know how awful COVID um, still is and one of the things I have discovered since I signed the contract for the funeral home is gardening Um, we have a garden here we have a garden at the front as well it's a London garden so it's all in planters I'm not able to have lovely lawns or anything it's quite small but it's the most incredible experience and That's something which takes me away from looking at a screen, from being on a phone call and something so natural and organic that I'm actually learning so much from because it's really complicated and it's not just a matter of learning a bit of knowledge and then applying it. Nature is really strange and trying to work, often trying to work out, is this plant dead or alive? Is this bud a new bud or is it an old bud? I do not know. It has been a really incredible experience. Thank you for sharing with us your new hobby and what makes it a place for you to release. 
I think we'll take that away for a while and uh, maybe start our own gardens. So thank you for that, as well as having fun. So I really appreciate your just reminding us in life to do this when we can. So one final question for both of you. Tell us about the importance for women to find help if they're starting businesses or as they're pursuing career goals. You know, what would you tell women who might be afraid to reach out to others because they don't know where to get that advice or they're just too intimidated? Louise, you mentioned being intimidated at the start of working with JP Morgan, but you overcame that. And it sounds like both of you just had a great experience learning from each other in ways you might not have foreseen. So talk to that person out there who's maybe hesitant to ask for advice. So when I was part of the Female Founders Initiative, I was so intimidated by all the other women there. They were all running really successful businesses, doing really interesting things, had done so well. And when we had to talk about you know, areas that we didn't know about, I confessed that dealing with the accountants really stresses me out. And I've had some really terrible experiences with accountants being really condescending, making assumptions about what it is I understand, And the moment I shared it, everyone else agreed. And what went from something that I was holding as this sort of secret of, "Mm, I'm running this business, but I'm making this up as I go along, was everyone said the same. Actually, I'm having some new experiences with my accountant. This is how it is for me. And I could really do is support around it. And it was incredible just to be able to be that vulnerable and discover that, well, mostly everyone was in the same situation and needed some support around it. When running a business, it can be such a lonely thing to do that all the help you can get all the support is welcome and much needed as well I think it's the only way to be able to sustainably grow a business and do a really good job of it and Olivia what would you say as I mentioned earlier I was quite lucky to have some strong role models earlier in my career and now I have seen the growth of the diverse employee base around me but I think that as someone who has a couple of decades in their career, I think it's really important to give back and be a role model to those who come behind because the intimidation is quite funny to hear Louise talk about being intimidated about coming to meet JP Morgan and me on the other side was quite intimidated about meeting the entrepreneur who was Louise. It's trying to overcome that imposter syndrome and the perhaps perceived barriers that you put in front of you from going after what you want and having someone as a soundboard and as a mentor is really important in helping people to achieve the things that they want to do, but they may be too reluctant or scared to grasp and and go after. I just want to thank you both for speaking with me today. It was amazing to hear your stories. I learned so much from both of you. Louise, thank you for just bringing a new approach to death, to helping people really uh, deal with the loss of loved ones in their lives. I think what you're doing is so inspiring and so necessary. So I wish you all the best and continued strength to get through this time. And Olivia, thank you for sharing with us the things you brought to the table to help Louise and other founders. It's a great reminder we all have something to give. What a meaningful conversation. Thank you so much to Olivia and Louise for sharing their stories and experiences from working together. I love the fact that they were both able to collaborate on solutions for Louise's business while also having a mutually beneficial relationship. Both found value from each other, and it's a great lesson that you always have something to give to others. 
The mission of Women on the Move is to help women in their professional and personal lives. Our goal is to introduce you to people with great ideas, inspiring stories, and a passion to make a difference. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe so you won't miss any others. For J.P. Morgan Chase's Women on the Move, I'm Sam Saperstein. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. is a member of the FDIC.